you have your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to read a few verses here together. I have a different subject today, but I felt led by the Holy Ghost. We're going to begin reading at verse 6. The Bible says, This you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. <laughs> How many feel like you've been there before? Not just one trial, various trials, a variety of issues. Not just one side, on every side, grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then he goes through a number of other words of encouragement and he gets down to verse 13 where I want to draw my subject for today. And he says, because of all these things, therefore, the reason I know he's talking about those various trials is he's using that word, therefore. You see it on your screen. Whenever you see that word, it means because of what came before, this is what you need to know or this is what you need to do. So because you're going through these various trials, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. That is a strange phrase, isn't it? The King James language here, New King James language. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind. My subject seems a little bit odd today, but it's simply entitled Mind control. Mind control. Father, we need you today. I pray that your word would illuminate in our hearts and our minds the things that we need to know this week, God. We, we need our daily bread. We need our daily direction. We, we need you to speak into our minds, into our hearts, into our lives today. Father, do what only you can do. Speak to your people. Break through the walls of flesh and doubt and fear and anger and frustration and discouragement. God, do a miracle in the house and we're going to give you all the praise, all the glory. Life Church, why don't you lift your voice right where you're at and ask the Lord, God, I need you to speak to me right now. God, I need a word from you today. God, I, I can't make it another day. Ah, I feel the Holy Ghost. I can't make it one more week or one more month. I need you to do something today. I need you to transform my life today. I need you to touch my heart today. I need you to renew my mind today. <laughs> oh, in the name of Jesus. Everybody said Amen. For years, and as I began to uh, prepare and think through and study, I, I, I do my best weekly. I take a day, uh, one whole day to commit. I clear my schedule and just try to focus on uh, what the Lord is trying to say uh, to the church. That's a part of the pastor's journey is that you have to take time out of your schedule to make sure you are hearing from the Lord. And when God began to deal with me about this service today, he, he kept on putting uh, in me this idea of the mind, and I started working through uh, different uh, studies and concepts, and I, I just kept getting drawn back to the words of Christ when he would say that we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind, soul, in strength. And for some reason, Brother Holloman, I would read through that and study it. The, the heart, obviously, the strength, yes. Uh, uh, your body, yes. But the mind just kept coming out to me. 
It just kept jumping off of the pages when I would read it. And it was like the Lord was saying to me, we have to deal with the mind. Going back into the 50s or 60s, it did not become a revelation until the 70s when the government actually admitted to being a part. They would conduct experiments on individuals, people, different people that didn't know they were being uh, experimented on. And the government were, were testing out different drugs, different uh, amphetamines and antihistamines and trying to elicit certain responses in individuals. And it was the project known as MK Ultra. During the 50s and 60s, they were attempting to influence an individual's cognitive ability, meaning what they were responding. If they asked a question, they were trying to get some sort of truth serum, comic book stuff, you know, and trying to make people tell the truth in interrogation. And so they tested a lot of different drugs. And what they were trying to do is they were trying to control and trying to get people to say certain things that they wanted them to say. They were literally trying to control people's mind. That sounds like some conspiracy stuff, really, but when you go back and look to what the government admitted to doing, it's pretty incredible that they got away with it for so long. But then when you stop and think about it, this is nothing new for governments, and it's nothing new for evil people all over the world. People for generations have always tried to control other people. Preferably inside of the boundaries of the law, but evil people will do it outside of the boundaries of the law. They'll do it through coercion, manipulation, threats of violence, and even death. Trying to make people do something against their will. Trying to control them. I told you it was a little bit different of a message today. But I believe God has something for us. And so even till now, we see these, what, what, what the conspiracy theorists will call psyops, the government performing psyops on people. What is this? This is psychological warfare or psychological operations where enemies of a state or of a country will try to perform psychological warfare on the minds of the people they're trying to control. This takes the form of propaganda. That is news outlets saying things that are not true or being fed things that are not true deliberately, trying to control the narrative and the story. We see it done in history, trying to rewrite history books to make the evil people out to being good and the good people out to being evil. Happens all the time. We call it revisionist history because they went back and revised the stories. They do it through gaslighting. They do it through drugging. They even will go as far as manipulating uh, uh, content that you read. And, and I've mentioned this before. This is why you have to be very careful because everything that you read online, anything that is digital, anything that you see can be manipulated. And even more so, we are living in a culture where they can make a person say things that they never said. They can make literally say them. You can hear their voice and think, man, that sounds like it's because of the technology. It is a psychological operation. They are manipulating digital media, video, audio, uh, written communications in order to control how people think. It's all about how people think. Because if they can control how you think, it's going to control your behavior. What they're actually trying to do and not just they, people, evil people, what they're trying to accomplish, they're trying to get you to do what they want you to do. But there's one fact, God made us impervious to mind control of other people. In other words, there's no way that someone can get into your brain and make you do something without you being a willing uh, uh, component of that without some sort of uh, you, you cognitively knowing it, they cannot actually make you do it. They can manipulate you, they can coerce you, they can threaten you. There's all sorts of ways that they can make you do things with, that you don't want to do, but they can't actually change uh, your mind. 
And so all of these, all of these operations, all of these things that we see playing out in our culture today, it's an attempt by evil people to do what, what only uh, you have the power to do, that is to control your mind. And I believe this is, this is very uh, important for us to understand. God has given us the ability and the power, and I would even say the responsibility over what is in our mind. No government, no evil person, nobody with bad intentions can ever truly control what happens up here. The only one that can do that is you. In me. God has given us soul control over what we think about and what we allow to remain in our mind, what we decide to focus our attention on. Now, you can be and I can be manipulated. Sure we can. You see a, a news article come out, it says something and whoa, that's, that, you see that article and it will arouse some sort of either, either anger or hurt or frustrate that is you being manipulated one way or the other it is making you feel a certain way we've known this for years we've seen this happen for years you're you're influenced by what you're seeing what you're taking into your mind's eye that's why your eyes are a window to your soul to your heart to your brain to your mind that's why we, sing, we teach our kids to sing that song, be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little eyes what you see. Why, why is that to be careful? Because what comes into your mind influences you. It influences you in every way imaginable. How you talk, how you act, how you live, where you work, where you go to school. I would dare to imagine, I could probably dare to say that if I went around the room today, a lot of what you do as a, as a professional is what you saw someone else do. Maybe a father or a mother or someone you respect. You're like, man, that's really cool. I like, I like how that job works. I'd like to do that one day. And that's what you chose to become. Because it's what you put in front of your eyes. It's what you saw. God has given us this ability to see something. God has given us the ability to get a picture. And that picture, what we take in through our eyes, eventually will influence us. It will influence how we think. It will influence how we feel. You ever watch something and it just made you angry? Sure you have. How did, it, how did you get angry? Because it, you let it into your life. That's why you have to be careful what you're letting into your mind, what you're allowing your eyes to see. We don't just set anything before our eyes. As David said, I will put no wicked thing before my eyes. I, I will guard my eyes. Why? Because I'm guarding with, through my eyes. I am guarding my heart and I am guarding my mind. I'm not going to allow just anything come in. I, I'm not, and you wouldn't do that in your own home. Oh, just anybody can walk in anytime they want to walk in? You don't do that. You lock your door, don't you? You go to bed at night, you lock the door. Some of us have a, you might have an alarm system and you might, might have a, well, if you're a, <laughs> you might have an armed weapon nearby. <laughs> just saying. I know some of you probably don't believe in that. I do. I think you need to have one. And uh, they're going to have a hard time getting in, but once they get in, it's going to be harder getting out. But praise God. <laughs> I know I just offended a lot of people right there. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not really sorry about that. We'll talk about that. I do believe that God has put us on this. I just felt something. All right, I'll stay right there. I know where I'm at. I know where I'm at. I know where some of you are at. I know where our culture is at. I know where our culture is at. But let me tell you something. God has given, well, I feel the Holy Ghost. God has given each one of us, and dads, let me talk to you for a moment. God has given us a responsibility over the well-being and safety of our family. As a matter of fact, he goes so far to say that if a man does not provide for his own family, he is worse, worse than an unbeliever. It's our responsibility, Dad, to protect our family. God has given me care over my family, my wife, my children. They're my responsibility. And it's not just a responsibility uh, to go to work and make money for them. Go and go out and kill something, bring it home so we have something to eat. Right? Back in the day, that's what it used to be. You know, if you didn't find something to eat and bring it home, that's, that's you, you were going to starve. But it's the, the, the 
father's responsibility to be the protector of the home. I know I'm in 2023, and I know some of you don't believe that, but this is the truth. It's the word of God. That's why God made Adam before Eve. That's why he put Adam at the head of the household. That's why the Bible says that Eve's desire will be for her husband, watch, but he shall rule over her. Did you hear me? He shall rule over her. Now, does that mean that he's some sort of tyrant? That he's some sort of evil person? No, no, no. What that means is that he will be in charge, meaning he will have the responsibility. And for everybody that thinks being in charge means that you're in total control, domination, well, you got it all wrong. No, no, no. Being in charge means that you are responsible. That if something happens to the home, God's not going to look at Eve or, or he's not going to look at the children. He, no, no, Adam, he's coming for you. Adam, what happened? This is why Paul said, by one man, sin entered the world, Romans 5. Well, wait a minute. Adam, he was just there. Eve's the one that, t- she's the one that got deceived. God said, no, 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 by one man. Adam, you knew better. It was your responsibility, Adam. I know I'm in the Holy Ghost, but I'm going to keep trying to convince some of you today. And there's a reason why Eve, what did Eve say when she was talking to the serpent? The serpent says, oh, just try the fruit. It's not going to hurt you. And she says, no, no, we're not supposed to eat of that that fruit. And then she goes one step further. Go back and read it. Genesis chapter 3. It says, we can't eat it and we can't even touch it. But where did God ever say touch it? That's not in the Bible. That's, that's not what uh, God told to Adam. So somehow between Adam and Eve, there was a disconnect. Somehow between what Adam, what God told Adam and what Adam told Eve, there was a disconnect. See, dad, husband, brother, that's your job to lead your home. Lead the home in spiritual matters. Lead the home in physical matters. Lead the home in protection Lead the home in every way God designed you to be. And some of you are single mothers in the house. And in the absence of that father, God has placed you and given you the authority over your home. Somebody needs to say amen to that. Because a home that doesn't have a leader is chaos. A home that doesn't have a leader is chaos. God has placed us on this earth to be stewards of his people and every single person is a child of God. And once you make sure your house is taken care of, meaning that they are protected, they are sheltered, they have all their needs met, then God can use you to help other people. Man, I'm I'm so far off my notes, but I'm in the Holy Ghost, so hang on. But this is a problem with our generation. We want to jump out and help the world, but our house is a mess. But then we have other people, their house is a mess, they're trying to help the world, that ain't going to work, they're going to make the world a mess, and you're seeing that everywhere. But then we have other people that only care about their house, and everyone's good, we got everything, you know, we're just going to stick to our own, but both are wrong. God has called us to take care of our family. God has called us to protect our home. But God has called us to just more than that. God has called us to lead well and to minister well and to have a contribution in our church and in our community to be a light in a dark, dark, dark world. Man, my Lord, Jesus. But we have this, we have this problem, though. So let me come back to my notes here for a second. You wouldn't, you wouldn't leave your, your door open. You wouldn't leave, I, I should hope not. You don't let just anybody walk on in. But somehow, when we come into uh, uh, television, and this is something that's so crazy to me, uh, and I've talked about this before. I'll keep talking about it about 100,000 more times. What, what, what you allow into your home, it's almost like those, those screens that you just allow anything to come in your home. Well, when you do that, you are opening up yourself and your family to be influenced, again, because your eyes are a window, your eyes, when you take something in, it's, it's coming into your heart, it's coming into your mind. When you do that, you're not having any filter, you're not having any protection on what's coming in. There's no lock on that door. 
And what, what David, the psalmist, is saying, he said, I will put no wicked thing before mine eyes. In other words, I am going to make sure to guard my eyes because if I'm guarding my eyes, I'm guarding my heart. And from the heart flows the issues of life. And God says you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That means I don't want the enemy to have any place in my mind. He can't have one part of my mind. It all, he said, with all your mind. That means everything that I think about. Everything that I meditate on. Everything that I'm allowing in. I want it to honor God. I want it to please God. That, so if I want it to please God, I can't give the enemy any place. This is why the, the, uh, the elders, we, you know, the, the, we used to call them the old timers. I think that's kind of disrespectful. But, but old time preachers. I used to say, hey, you shouldn't question God. And, and the reason they used to say that is because uh, questioning God a lot of times would mean that you're thinking about uh, leaving God or losing your faith or something like this. Now, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with asking a genuine question about God. As a matter of fact, I, I encourage you to do it. Why would you say that? Because my God is big enough for your questions. I've never met anybody that had a question that debunked <laughs> or disproved, or confused. Uh, they, there's no way for you to break God. He's too big. They, this thing has been around too long. It's handled as many questions. Any question you have, you can throw at it. Any question you have about God, he has the answer for you. You might lose faith in the church, or in a pastor, or in a friend, or in a saint, or a car, but you can't lose faith in God. He has everything that you need. There's no question too big for my God. Oh, I believe that today. There's nothing you can ask of God that he does not have the answer to. You should have freedom to say, God, I need you. I have a question. I don't understand. And when you bring it to God in prayer, that's the difference. In prayer. Everyone say in prayer. You got a problem with God, you need to take it to prayer. <laughs> There's been times, Brother Armando, I've had, I don't want to call it, you know, even a prayer meeting, but more like a complaining session with God. And I'll just lay it out to him. God, I don't understand why this is going on. God, I can't understand why they said that. God, I don't, what, what are you allowing this for? This seems wrong. And, and, but you can lay that out before God because that's showing God, hey, I am weak. Yes, yes. I need you. And weakness doesn't mean that somehow you're outside of his will. No, no. On the contrary, weakness is showing God, no, I need your strength in my life. But in our culture, we, we feel like we have to always show strength, project strength, project perfection. But in God's culture, it's completely different. It's when you're weak, then you're strong. His strength is made perfect. In our weakness, this, this is why the vulnerable, he, this is why David said, thou delightest not sacrifice, else I would give it, but thou delightest in a broken, in a contrite heart. That's what God wants from us. That's what God desires from us. A brokenness, a, a contrite spirit, a, a contrite heart. That, that's, not, that's not being strong. And so there's been times where I've come to prayer and I've been broken, and I've been weak. And I've said, God, I, I don't understand. It's turned into more of a, a complaining session. And, and every single time, every single time, God has an answer for me. Every single time. He, he has not left us. He has never left me without a word, without direction. And, and it might not all, it doesn't fix everything. You're going to go in and to prayer. You're going to come to church and and you say, man, my life's this way and that way, and you're going to leave, and your life's still going to be this way and that way. But what changes is not your life. What changes is you. I said, what changes is you. Because the fact of the matter is, we still live in this world. You're still living with fallen people every single day and they're not perfect and they don't live right and they lie and they cheat and they steal and they curse and they do oh they do all this stuff you're still in this world we are still living here there's no way to get around that but what God changes is he changes us so I don't pray God oh change my situation God God take this out sometimes I pray that right because you know we're we're human 
God, God, move this mountain. God, do this thing. I need you to, to change this. But ultimately, our prayer should be, God, give me the strength. Give me the strength to make it through. Give me the wisdom. Give me what I need to get out of this mess. Give me, God, I realize there's no way around it. I got to go through it. So if I got to go through it, God, give me what I need to make it through. And God, if I have that, then everything's going to be okay. You got to understand when God is with you, it changes everything. As long as God is in your boat, as long as God is on your side, it changes everything. Some of you right now, you're going through sickness and disease, struggling in your body. You don't know what's going on. I can't tell you it's going to change today, but what I can tell you is God can change you today, and God can put something inside of you that's going to last, that's going to be able to endure. You got to pray, God, change me. Oh, I feel that in the Holy Ghost. God, you got to change my mind and change my heart. God, give me a backbone that I, I won't bend and I won't break. I won't crumble. God, I got to make it through. But it's a part of the human condition that we want to change everything else. Everybody else is the problem. Everyone else has the issues. Everyone else has some mental problem. Everyone else needs to change. But God's saying, yeah, but you can't control them, but you can control you. You can't change the way they think, but you can change how you think. You can't change their desire, but you can change your desire. You can't make them love God with all their heart, mind, soul, strength, but you can change you. You can choose to say, God, I... I'm with you, and you can pray for your kids, pray for your father, pray for your mother, pray for your brother, pray for your sister. Say, God, I need you to change them and move on them, but God, I can't do it, so I'm just going to keep moving in the direction I know I'm supposed to be going in. I've come to preach to someone today when the scripture says to gird up the loins of your mind, what he is telling us is this, prepare your mind for battle. He's telling us that you need to prepare yourself for a war. The first thing you need to realize is that there is an all-on-all assault. There's all-out assault on your mind. Yes, on your body, the enemy would like nothing more to kill you. But if he cannot touch you, if he cannot get to you, he will play games with your mind. He will try to trick and try to deceive. He'll try to distract any possible way that he can, whether uh, through offense or whether through gossip or whether through discouragement or, or whether uh, uh, through frustration. No matter how it looks, the devil, the enemy just wants to get you away from God. He doesn't care how he does it. Doesn't care how he gets you to bow out. Doesn't care how he gets you to quit. <laughs> we talked a lot about people losing out on God because they got cold and they just stopped coming to church and they stopped, they got callous. But I can tell you that it doesn't matter to the devil whether you get cold and callous and walk away from God and, or whether you get so burnt out that you get wore out and tired and end up just giving up because you're so busy. Either way, you're still out. Whether you're down and out or high and out, right? Doesn't matter. You're still out. Any way the enemy wants to get you, any way he can get you, he will. There is a war. You have to recognize there is a war on your mind. I was watching a documentary of some Navy SEALs. I think they're pretty cool. And they were talking about their insurgents when they would go in to different places. And one thing struck me as the soldier was describing one of the tactics. When they, when they were on the helicopter, all the men, they were, all the folks, they were goofing off and they were uh, laughing. They were just being guys or whatever. And they were cutting jokes and stuff. <laughs> funny, funny, funny. But then once the mission started, the soldiers said they went into battle mode. There was no more talking. There was no more goofing off. They just got down to business. They went down to accomplishing the goal that they was set before them. They had an objective. And that story was ringing in my mind as I was preparing because this is the difference of what happens when somebody girds up the loins of their mind. 
Those, those, those seals understood that they were getting ready to go into a battlefield, that they were going to be under fire, that the enemy was going to try to take them out. They had to be fully aware of, of what was going on and what was happening. They had to have total control of their mind. They had to know they were going into battle. They had to prepare themselves for war. And what I believe God wants to communicate to us today is God requires us to gird up the loins of our mind, to prepare ourselves for battle. This happens in three ways. It happens when we do not allow ourselves for our minds. We do not allow our minds to wander. Everyone say wander. Dangerous things happen when you allow your mind to just wander. Think about whatever it wants to think about. Go any place it wants to go. Uh, 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 do anything that it wants to do. Wandering feeds irrational thinking. I'll wait for you to catch up a bit. Wandering feeds irrationality, meaning you start thinking about things that are so far beyond the possibility. They're, they're not even inside the realm of possibility, yet because you're letting your mind wander, you're thinking that it's imminent. You're thinking it's right down the road. You're thinking, oh, that's, that's probably going to happen to me. And it breeds paranoia when they, when they took out the studies of, uh, of the MKUltra uh, experiments. This is what they would find, extreme paranoia and irrational thoughts. Because when the mind begins to wander, that's what happens. You, you become skeptical of people's love. You become skeptical of individuals. And if you're skeptical, that means you can't trust people. I'm preaching to someone today. When that a paranoia comes in, when you're wondering what people are saying or thinking, you, you take people out of, out of context. They might say something to you like, hope you have a nice week. Like, what did you mean by that? You know? They meant like they hope you have a nice week. You know? Did you really mean? Of course they really meant that. Because, but because you've allowed your mind to go into dark places and, and, and wandering places. Thank you, Brother Victor. I appreciate that. My voice going out. Can you guys hear it? That's why I did that. Praise God. Like a Diet Coke, too, would be better. But no. I'm, uh, I'm playing around. You let your mind wander, it goes to dangerous places. It goes to irrational places. It becomes skeptical of people. Paranoid. People thinking are gossiping and talking about you. And it puts yourself in a very precarious place. God has called us. No, I would even go further. God requires us to control our minds. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you know it well. How do you do this? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, the Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now notice what he says, casting down imaginations or arguments. Casting them down. How do you do How do you, those words right there, casting down an argument. How do you do that? If I was going to cast something down, if I was going to take this water that Brother Victor just blessed me with, and I was going to cast that water down, what would that look like? I'd throw it to the ground. Right? Because I'm casting it down. I'm throwing it down. But how do you lay hold of an argument or an imagination? You ever think about that? How do you, how do you grab it? Something that's not physical, something that's beyond the physical. How, how do you lay hold of that thing? You want to know where it happens? It happens in your mind. You, al you don't allow those arguments, those imaginations. I like the word imagination better here because it's something, again, that uh, your mind is wandering. If you allow that to wander in your mind and let your mind go about, oh, what if I never get married? What if I never meet someone? What if, I, what if my children get sick? Or what if this cancer they told me I have ends up taking my life? What if this? What if that? You allow your mind to go. All it's going to produce is paranoia. All it's going to produce is irrational thoughts. And things, by the way, you can't even control. Things, by the way, you have no ability over. What if my husband leaves? What if my wife leaves? What if my kids never talk to me again? What if I never get to walk my kids down the aisle? What, what if, what if, what if all these 
thoughts because your mind is wandering. He said you got to cast down those imaginations. you got to cast down those arguments. And some of you need to do that even in the physical during prayer. I've seen people doing, grabbing things like that because they're, they're, they're imitating this in, in the natural. I think that's fine. Do whatever you got to do. But in your mind, you're saying, I'm not allowing myself to go there. I'm not allowing myself to even think that. I'm not allowing that thought to come into my mind. The first way you do it is by controlling your eyes, what you're seeing, but also what you're saying. There are certain things we don't watch. There's also certain things we don't even say. Like, oh, well, my wife and I call it, I, we call it the D word. You know what the D word is? Don't say it. It's divorce. <laughs> I don't know what D word you're thinking of. <laughs> it's divorce. It was dangerous. Preaching one-on-one, don't do that. Don't leave it. <laughs> Someone will shout something out. <laughs> It's divorce. <laughs> we don't even say that in our home. Some of you need to get rid of that vocabulary in your home. Yeah. Well, I know I just walked on someone's, you know. Anthony's down here in the front again, praise God. <laughs> just get rid of it in your home. You're married, that word shouldn't even come up. You got to make up in your mind, no matter what, we're here. We're, we're sticking this thing out. That, that word's not going to come because you keep talking about it, eventually you're going to see it. You keep talking about it. When you talk about it, what happens? It enters your mind, you know. <laughs> Someone asks you, hey, do you feel sick? I'm like, well, now that you mentioned it. You know? <laughs> now that you said it, you know it's right. That happens to you. You kind of have a, now that you, it's those words, they produce life. The Bible, that's, the Bible's clear, there's life and death, it's power of the tongue. They, it has, there's ability, there's power in words and what you speak. That's why we tell people to speak faith. Speak truth. Speak love. Even when you want to not love, you need to speak love. Even if you got to force it out of you. <laughs> like, I love you. you know? <laughs> Even if you got to force it out, you got to speak it. I'm in the Holy Ghost. I know. I, I'm ruffling feathers today. Praise God. I'm going to get some emails and some text messages this week. Pastor, I just don't agree with it. Okay, all right. I know, I get it. But it's true. Don't even let those things be so. There's certain things you don't speak about, certain things you don't talk about. Why? Because we're not going to allow it in our minds. I'm not going to allow that to even infiltrate because if it gets into my mind, my mind will try to wander. If it tries to wander, I'm gonna, there's going to be paranoia and rationality. It's not going to happen. We're not going to talk about that. So there's some things you got to expel from your house. Think we're, we're not, we don't talk like that. We don't watch that. We're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to replace it with truth and love. Let's keep going because I have more to say here. I believe God's speaking to us. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Not what's the knowledge? That knowledge of God is not just truth of uh, his name, Jesus, and the fact that there's one God and there's no other God. That, that's more than just that. It's all the knowledge that God has given us. That is to say his truth. Anything that is contrary to the word of God, you got to get rid of it. Amen. No, that's not what God said. No, that's not what the Lord told me to do. No, that's not what's in his word. No, that doesn't agree with what's in the scripture. You say, well, you mean the scripture uh, tells you how to live? It tells me everything that I need to know. And if it doesn't agree with the word of God, I cast it down. I move it to the side. It's ignored. It's discarded. It's not valuable because it's trying to set itself up against the knowledge of God. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And then what does he say next? Bring every thought. See, some of you, we, we've never really thought about this because it's metaphysical. It's this thing that's outside of reality. So, so we think, oh, you know, you can't control what you think. I can't control. Pastor, I can't control what's up here. Yes, you can. You can control it. You can control. That's my whole message today. Boil it down. You can control what's happening in your mind. There's a lie that says, well, I can't. I'm just thinking about it. I can't help what I think about. Yes, you can. You can control your mind. That's why with the Bible, what does it say? Every thought, every thought 
into captivity. Why? What, what's up with captivity here? Bring every thought captive. You know what that word means? It means you take control of it. You make it obey. You change its activity. You make it a servant and not the master. Your mind was never intended to be your master. Your mind was intended to serve you and God. That's why God says with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, you have the power to bring your thoughts into captivity. That, that idea, again, of captivity is, is just like that. It's to take something and lock it up. Make sure that it cannot get out. Make sure that it does not wander. Make sure that it has no power over you. Make sure you're controlling it and it is not controlling you. And if we want to make it to heaven, if we want to please God, we have to take control of our minds. We got to make sure that we're not being influenced by worldly influences, but we're being influenced by what God wants us to be influenced by. That's why, preacher, why are you always talking about? Why are you always talking about what we're watching and what we're listening to? Why is that so important? Because those things influence your mind. You think we have a world in chaos for no reason? You think we have protests in every city of America protesting on behalf of terrorists for no reason? There has been an influence of the mind. And you talk to them. I've seen the stuff going on in our college campus. I'm not naive. I see it. You know where it starts? You know where this hatred starts? You know where this evil starts? It starts with just an idea. Just one idea. One of the reasons I, I, I was on, on a path to do my, my, my doctorate was because I understood the power of ideas. Every vile or horrible thing that you see in the world today, it starts just with this little idea. You know, maybe it's the Jews. Maybe if we just get rid of all the Jews, then there'll be peace. Hmm. Pharaoh thought the same thing. The Bible says that Pharaoh saw the Hebrews, that they were larger and mightier than they were. He got afraid. See what he did? He killed all the kids, all the boys. Every baby killed them. Every boy over the age of two, that's where Moses came from. Moses was saved out of the Nile. And he took the Hebrew people and enslaved them. Just an idea. But an idea that comes to fruition, you have to be careful what you're allowing to take root in your mind. Because they're seeds of hate. They're seeds of evil. And you don't even realize what they're being sown in there. Sown in through media. Sown in through movies. Sown. And it's so subtle. It's so subtle. I don't let my children watch the modern stuff they have out for kids. Why? Because they're, they're, they're putting seeds in there that boys can become girls and girls can become boys and it's all the same. It's just seeds. Oh, how harmless. Oh, what's the big deal? They've been doing it for years. They've been starting it for you. You gotta be careful with that. And why are they doing it that way? Because they're trying to control the mind. I said they're trying to control the mind. But our job is to take captive, to bring every thought to the captivity, and not just to keep it captive for no reason, but the Bible says to make it obedient to what? Into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. In other words, that my mind would be obedient to the word of God and the plan of God. I'm going to make sure that my life is in alignment with what God wants for me and it starts right here it starts with with all of myself it starts with my heart my mind my soul my strength i'm going to make sure that i'm thinking right this is why paul said first corinthians 9 i know i got a lot of scripture today but i believe we need it first corinthians 9 27 the bible says but i discipline my body and bring it into it into subjection you see that there 
I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. In other words, if I don't practice this, even I will become disqualified. Why? Because every single one of us, we're all the same. We're all human. We're all flesh. We're all struggling with the sin nature. You have to control your mind. And Paul says right here, he says, I bring my body into subjection. Why do we feel like we can discipline our bodies, but we feel like our minds we can't control? No, 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 no. Friend, you have the ability to win the war of your mind. You have the ability to make sure that the thoughts that you're thinking, that the things that you're allowing to take root are pure and right and and that you don't allow it to wander. You can control your mind. How? Through the power of the Holy Ghost, the power that God has given you. God has given you a way to overcome and to win in your life mind. And it's more than just discipline. This is why the component of being obedient to Christ is important. Because unless we control our mind and make it subjected subjected to the will of God, then we're just disciplined. Not all discipline is equal. Someone can have an extraordinary amount of discipline But unless it is orientated toward God and submitted toward God, it really can't change you. And you should not be fooled by people who are very disciplined and sincere, but are outside of the will of God and not committed to Christ. People can be disciplined and they can be sincerely wrong. I have no doubt that people that do evil kill children and women and rape them and mutilate their body. I have no doubt they are sincere about what they believe. I have no doubt that they sincerely believe they're right. But according to the word of God, they are sincerely wrong. See, that's why you have to be careful with folks that, well, they believe what they believe, Pastor. That's just what they believe. Yeah, they do, but what they believe is wrong. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to get to heaven outside of Jesus. So how do we do it? How do we control our mind? Let me give you just the practical step of how to do it. It's found in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And the music can come. I'm almost done. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Then he says, finally, brethren, how do you control your mind? Whatever things are true. Everyone say true. true. Whatever things are true. Whatever things are noble. Everyone say noble. Whatever things are just, everyone say just. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, what does he say? Think, or the new King James will say, meditate on these things. In other words, don't don't just think about it once. No, no, no. Let your meditation, let the things that you spend time on, what is, what is meditate? Meditate means that you wake up in the morning, you're thinking about it. You go to work, you're thinking about it. On your drive home, in traffic, you're thinking about it. All a part of your life, you're meditating on what? The things of God. Let the word and the things of God, let that permeate your mind. Your, meditate on those things. So I, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not, I'm not, not thinking about that. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not gonna, does that mean that, oh, you're just going to stick your head in the sand? You're not going to know what's going on? No, no, no. What it means is we're not going to allow certain things into our minds. I'm not going to do it. You got to do it with 
conversations. Some conversations aren't helping you. Some people's conversation, they're not helping you. Oh, did you hear what she said? Let me just tell you what she said. That's not helping you. One of the main reasons the Bible has such harsh words against gossip, against people talking about one another, it's because they're seeds that get into your mind. They're not true. Most of the time it's not true. Sometimes it's true, but it doesn't help anyway. You're not in the situation. You have no way to control. So all it does is it plants seeds in people's minds. And now, well, everyone's talking about me. <laughs> how, many, how many people I talk to? Everybody knows about this. You go through something, everybody knows. Everybody's talking about it. Well, first of all, no, not everybody knows. Not everyone's talking about it. But that's what happens when those seeds get in your mind and you can't, ah, it becomes so impossible to control. And you lose control of how you're thinking. Some of us are in a place right now. Our prayer needs to be, God, <laughs> I need your help with my mind. The way that I've been thinking about myself, about my ministry, about my friendships, about my relationships. Some of you have such a negative view of yourself because you've been fed lies that somehow if you just change this about your body, then someone will want to marry you. You just do this a little bit different, act this way. All those are lies that have been seeded in your mind. And it's changed how you're thinking and it's changing how you're acting. And what God wants to do today is he wants to renew our minds. He wants to give us a fresh touch not just in our body. I believe God can heal bodies. I believe God can heal hearts. He can do all those things. But I believe today, specifically, he wants to work on your mind. He wants to work on the way that you've been thinking. Thinking about his word, thinking about his church, thinking about somebody else, thinking about a friend or a co-worker. God wants to change your mind today. If you're here right now and you know that, I want you to everyone right now to close your eyes. I want you to begin to lift your hands, lift your voice. I want you to call into God. I want you to say, God, I need you to touch my mind today. God, I need you to heal my mind today. God, I want a special touch today. Would you just reach out and touch the Lord right now? We're almost done. We're going to sing here in a minute, and we're going to worship. But before we move on, I want you to reach out to the Lord right now. And I want you to pray, God, I need you to touch my mind. God, I need a special touch right now. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Oh, God, we want a transformation. <laughs> we want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. God, we want to bring every thought into captivity we want to take back territory of our minds the devil doesn't have any claim to your thoughts he doesn't have any claim to your imagination you need to evict him from your mind you need to evict him from your thoughts you need to evict him from your imagination hang on a sec hang on a second let me have your attention for a moment everybody would you stand with me we're getting ready to have an altar call but I truly believe that today the enemy has taken residence in your mind there are some of you you cannot think straight it's not because you're tired. It's not because you're suffering burnout. It's not because you're super busy at work. No, it's because you have given the enemy room in your mind. And it's time for you to evict him. The enemy, the devil, he doesn't get anything. I have people tell me, you guys are having your harvest party on October 31st? You can't do that. Why? That's the devil's day. 
Oh, stop. The devil doesn't get a day. He doesn't get a half a day. He doesn't get 30 minutes of a day. He doesn't get anything. I'm not giving him anything. And some of you, some of us today, you have given him room in your mind. Sure you have. You've given him room to sow seeds and wonder. But the Bible makes it clear. Resist the devil. And he will. He hasn't have a choice. He, he doesn't get power over. There, there's no, you don't have to be afraid. There's no need to be afraid of the devil. There's no need to worry or fear about the devil. You and I have power over the enemy. So the solution for us is we kick him out. Say, devil, you have no room in my mind. I'm not allowing that to enter my thoughts. I'm not going to think about, oh, what did, what did she mean by that? What did he mean by that? What was he really preaching about today? Does he know what's going on? Does he know? I don't know what's going on in your life. I'm not preaching about nothing but the word of God. And you got to evict him out of your mind. I'm not going to allow fear, anxiety to take root. Uh, and I'll go a step further. If there are people in your life that you are allowing to plant seeds in your mind, you need to cut them off too because it's not the will of God for your life. So if you're here today and you know, you know the devil has lied. You've been, you've been suffering from a battle in your mind. You've been under a bombardment, a attack on your mind. You just can't seem to get your thoughts together. Anxious, fearful, worried, no hope, distracted. God wants to renew your mind today. God wants to reach down, touch your mind today. Oh, in the name of Jesus. If you're here today and you know you need God to touch your mind, I want you to step out of your pew where you're at. I want you to excuse yourself out of the row that you are, and I want you to come down to the front. And when you get down to the front, I want you to lift your hands, and I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on down. Don't be, af don't be afraid. Don't be shy. When you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, ha, the spirits can begin to fight on your behalf. And the eviction process, the eviction process of the enemy and those thoughts will begin and it'll be expelled. Why don't, you, why don't you ask the person next to you if they want to come and pray? Why don't you invite someone to come with you to the altar, if you would? And those that are down here right now, I need some prayer uh, team members, some war prayer warriors, some altar team members, folks that are filled with the Holy Ghost. I need you to come and find someone to pray with right now. The enemy cannot have one inch of your mind. He doesn't have right to one part of your mind. He doesn't have control over one aspect of your thinking. But we are going to bring every thought under the captivity, unto the obedience of Christ today. When you get down here, I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit is going to pray through you and for you. That's it. That's it. Why don't you find someone to pray with right now? Why don't you connect with someone right now? God, we are taking control of our minds. We are bringing them under the subjection and the obedience of your word and of your will. Whoa. Come on. Come on. Come on, prayer team, I need you to pray. I need you to find someone to pray for. There's people all down here at the altar that need prayer. I need you to come and pray. You're filled with the Holy Ghost, come and pray. You got the anointing, come and pray. Let's sing, let's worship God. I can control it by the power of the Holy Ghost. 
He's given me dominion over my mind. He's given me stewardship over my mind. 